Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the No BS Marketing Podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. I have often found that over-consuming or looking left and right to what other people have done, the times I've done that, the most have been the most hindrance to my growth. And whilst keeping up with what works on each platform, as we know, is super important, I often find that this thought of stealing like an artist or looking elsewhere to other creators and brands on socials too frequently can be a barrier to you being you doing you and potentially leaning into what makes you great what's up everybody welcome back to another episode of the marketing millennials podcast today i have the pretty little marketer aka sophie aka one of the coolest communities out there sophie could you introduce yourself and give a little intro to who you are and how you got started into marketing Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. I feel (laughs) the silly thing, but I am the biggest fan of you and the team and everything you get up to at the Marketing Millennial. So super excited to be here. I am Sophie. Great introduction. I founded Pretty Little Marketer in June 2020. So just over three years ago, I started unknowingly a community for people in social media. At the time, I was a second year student here in the UK, studied at university, got to my second year and graduation was looming. I had one year left until I had to decide who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And As we know, marketing isn't as easy as just picking a marketing manager role and doing it. There are a trillion options and all of them seem unattainable and really close all at the same time. So I had a moment of panic when I wrapped up my second year. I just submitted my final essay of that year and remember feeling really lonely and overwhelmed at the decision I had to make for the rest of my career and the rest of my future. In the moment, a trillion Google searches, how do I get a job? What is marketing? What, how do I figure out what I want to do? Felt really isolated, like I was the only person new to marketing feeling that way. Now I'm very aware that I am not. We all feel like that at one point or another, or even at multiple points in our careers. And somewhere in the mist, it was a Sunday, I was laying on the sofa, I opened up Instagram, opened, clicked, new account, at Pretty Little Marketer, no idea where the name came from, came to me in a moment, the stars aligned, and I just started posting about my career journey. I was working in an influencer marketing role part-time alongside my studies at the time. So it was things like how I used my CV to get that role, what I thought about certain campaigns, my predictions for the rest of 2020 in terms of marketing through a pandemic. And within 
eight days, I think it was, we hit our first thousand followers. Two weeks, 2,000. By December, we were a community of 8,000. And now, three and a bit years later, it's my full-time job. I run our community five or (laughs) realistically seven days a week. I coach and consult with some of the UK's biggest brand, which is an absolute privilege. And we have 350,000 followers and community members across platforms. So a moment of panic and looking for hope and someone to rely on quickly became something. Yeah, I run a whole business now. So that's what I do. That's where, where it all began. I think that's a testament of the power of social media. I think when I even started the marketing millennials, I had no idea what it was going to be. It was just kind of my outlet to share my marketing ideas. And then it slowly turned into people just resonating with it. And then it grew and grew. So I love your journey of that. I want to go into how you think about community building and organic growth. When you get a new brand or someone coming in, what are the first steps you take to start building a community for them? I think that step one for me is always defining what community looks like to you or to them or to the client or whoever you're working with. Because to me, community looks like a jam-packed webinar and a chat going off really excited, or it looks like replies to my email newsletter with people answering a question or sharing their own thoughts. Community is just a way of bringing people together around a shared interest, value, or belief. So first of all, what does community look like tangibly? Is it comments in your comment section? Is it people replying to others for you and fostering a sense of involvement and inclusion? So step one for me is always what is that in terms of kind of how how are we going to measure it? And then number two, whittling down what is that shared value, feeling, theme, topic, belief that we're going to rally around. I think that um, Selena Gomez's brand Rare Beauty is a great example of building a community around a value rather than just the thing. So Selena Gomez's brand started a few, I think it was pre-pandemic, so it was a few years ago, and they are a cosmetic, a beauty brand. They produce and they sell makeup, and they are worldwide now, so totally global. But their community isn't just full of people that love makeup and feeling good and experimenting with how they look. It's not just full of the people that appreciate their product. But what Rare Beauty do really well is that they present their values and what they believe on social media. They believe that everyone is beautiful and beauty is defined differently to everybody and that everybody deserves a voice and that kindness is the most beautiful and important quality and that's something they really encourage. So rather than rallying people together around lip gloss, lipstick, foundation, whatever products they are selling... They have decided, come on, we're going to build a community around our values, which value is the most important to us or which resonates the most. And it could be a couple. And they choose to send to their community online activity, even down to their tone of voice and the way that they speak back to their audience members. They rallied it around a value. So step one is, okay, well, what, what is community to us? What is it going to look like? Dreaming up what those 
metrics or tangible measurable points are going to be and then second of all again just like rare beauty they haven't chosen to build an audience or community around what they sell necessarily although people are there for that too people are are there and they built the community around their chosen shared values so one what is community to you? And two, what is that connection point? What are you building community over? Uh, and where are you relating a building relationship? So kind of two steps to that answer, I would say. How do you decide where community should be? Because like you said, community could be comments in a comment section. It could be a Slack community. It could be, it could be, people sharing ideas on a Reddit thread. How do you decide where you want to place your community and, and grow it? I think for me, it really depends on one. So I'm a team of one, for example, running a pretty little marketer. So one, what are the capabilities here? What time do we have? It's been my dream for the longest time to build a membership and like a real closed community into my offering. And that is coming, which is very exciting, but it has been a long time coming because my availability, my resource, my capability hasn't been there. So for me, the first thing was to assess that. What do I have access to right now? Organic social media has been it for me. And more recently, well, no, a whole year ago now, it's been a whole year, I launched my newsletter, which still feels like part of the community. I really love, and I stole this actually from Tommy from, oh, what's his business called? He runs the Social Files newsletter and he worked at Triple Whale. Tommy is the best. He runs his Clark Media. He runs Clark Media, his own like social agency. He's awesome. And it was his newsletter actually that I stole um, <laughs> this little tactic from where, I don't know if he still does it, but he did do it a few times, where if you got to the end of his newsletter, typically the ones where he would break down a case study, you get to the end and he would simply just say, reply with a X emoji. Or I remember the one I responded to was like the Formula One emoji. But he, if you got to the end, it was always like a nice treat, a reward to be invited to interact with A. If you got to the end, reply with a dot, dot, dot emoji and let me know what you thought. That is something I very much credit to him, but I have absolutely stolen now for my own newsletter because I really love the idea of still making it that two-way street and incorporating community tactics into that rather than speaking and, I don't know, not knowing who's going to be hard. So step one for me in terms of where is my community going to be hosted? Where am I going to connect with my audience? Was realistically looking at my resources, my capabilities. And then step number two is figuring out how you want them to interact as well. So if you have a, I'd say, potentially a smaller community, but it can still work with larger numbers. I love the idea of a Discord, a Slack, a Telegram for people to interact. For me right now, it looks like encouraging comments in my comment sections and then answering replies, hoping that other people answer too. 
a place that I really love building community is just Instagram stories, actually, and inviting people to answer questions, share their thoughts, rewarding that interaction by then, you know, and you can reshare it onto the next story or whatever that might look like. You can invite your audience to write blog posts for you, collaborate on content. So the possibilities are endless and it can often feel, for me, overwhelming because I want to do it all. I very much believe that community is ours, not mine. And there are many opportunities for ours. So number one, resource what you have available to you and for you. And two, kind of what is your community about? Where are the people right now? If I was building a community for parents who are super busy, parents are super busy, then I don't know, Instagram stories and asking them to take time out of their day to interact on there might not be the best approach, but like a WhatsApp group, a Discord, a Telegram or whatever, parents like to connect and talk. So step one, resource, and then step two, having to think about who are your community members, where are they and where do they want to be? What fits their lifestyle? Number three, what fits, what do you want to achieve? Um, so yeah, kind of three-ish, <laughs> might be war in there, but three steps that I would reflect on. That is a great breakdown. I think, one, people overdo community based on resources. And I think to be great at community, you have to be great in the places you show up. So it's better to be on one channel and be 110% than be on 17 channels and be average in all those channels i also love that you said like there's ways to encourage one thing i do on my intro email on my newsletter is i ask people what's their favorite restaurant in the city that they live in because it one encourages like people love their city first of all and then they love they always have a story about a restaurant that they've been in so one lets me know where they live. It lets me know their favorite restaurant. It also gives me a lot of ideas. If I was going to have a community event in that area, now I'd have some recommendations of like good places that people would enjoy because they're already chatting about it. So I love the idea of encouraging replies. I want to go into the next step of it and say, okay, you did it really good in growing it organically on social what are some tips to grow a community on social media so something i've been thinking about over the weekend i have become obsessed with tube girl and if you guys listening have you might have seen tube girl you might not have there are like different variations of her now we have subway girl we have people in france doing it i saw someone on whatever the us version of the metro subway underground is and tube girl is someone on tiktok she's blown up recently she gained like eighty thousand followers overnight a few days ago and she just has the confidence of the world and she records herself kind of dancing moving strutting being awesome in tube carriages in London and usually they're packed and people are watching but she is just unapologetically her and she does it anyway and something that I've really been reflecting on that I often teach when it comes to building community is this thought of lasting feeling 
I work in the educational space. So if you've seen PLM on LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever you might, or you might not have, I post educational content. So top tips on how to build community or how to grow your following or how to navigate Instagram in the crazy time of meta right now. Something I have been really quite passionate about from the beginning, again, is lasting feeling and this thought of when someone gets the end of your post, your webinar, the end of a tube girl TikTok and video, the end of your blog post, your newsletter, what is the feeling that you are leaving them with? Because if it's a good feeling, we're going to want to come back or if it's a curious feeling, we're going to want more. But if I have just read an eight-page carousel telling me that I am the world's worst social media manager because I don't use hashtags, which I don't, (laughs) and I am the world's worst social media manager for it, but if I get to the end of that carousel and I'm feeling condemned, maybe I'm feeling guilty, perhaps there are a bunch of big words and it's super complex and I'm left feeling overwhelmed or, or more confused than I was when before I started reading the piece of content, then that lasting feeling, it's not what I want. No one wants to feel condemned or guilty for not knowing something. So it's not a lasting feeling that I want to come back to. Now, with Tube Girl, and if you haven't seen her, you'll have to go on TikTok or YouTube. I'm sure there's a hashtag by now, it's like a billion likes or whatnot. Have a look at Tube Girl, and she is so joyous in her content. She is so confident. It's a whole trend, and people are doing it in stores, in restaurants, in their own, again, their own versions of subways, metros. When you get to the end of a piece of her content, you're left feeling that oh, I can do that too. I'm allowed to be confident. I can be like that. And the lasting impact there is one you want to revisit. You probably want to watch Two Girls Next video so that you can have another piece of that inspirational, confidence-giving cake. The more people that you give that to, the longer they will stay. Hopefully in that too, you can nurture them and turn them into advocates. So when they go into the office tomorrow or the next time they're doing a podcast, you can be their tube girl. Oh goodness, I saw XYZ on LinkedIn and I love their content. Well, now they've just told three people in the office who are now going to have the same lasting feeling, tell three people in their yoga class or their football club or whatever it might be. I think feeling is what fosters community and it's not easy to create content that feels good but my starting point would be a reflection yourself having a dig in and look at your own I don't know let's say your last four pieces of content your last four TikToks liaise with a colleague a friend sometimes I hoax my mum in to ask questions too because she knows I love my (laughs) mum but she knows nothing about marketing and social media so it's really good to get like an outsider's perspective too Um, But check in your last four pieces of content, yourself, the people around you. What was a lasting feeling here? If you could put your finger on one feeling that this has left you with post-reading, post-watching, what is it? Do you feel confident, inspired? Do you feel curious to read more? Is this like a bite of cake that you want more of? Or is it something you'll probably put down and potentially not return to? So... Tube girl, 
ask a friend and lasting feeling for me has been the most powerful strategy, tactic, hack, whatever you want to call it for one, building a place that people want to be a part of, building advocates and growing in an organic sense, but two, building community and building a really engaged and loyal audience too. So my challenge would be to those listening, what is your lasting feeling and is it something that you would want to revisit? I think that's a great way to put it. I say it a little differently, but I think it's, I'm going to start using lasting feeling. One one thing I, I say is, does it add value? And and people mistake what add value mean. And when I say add value, that means it, it adds value to someone's day. And what I mean by add value to someone's day is, do they come away from it learning something? Do they come away entertained, like laughing? Do, do they have fun? Did they come away inspired to do something? Did they come away from it? And lasting feeling is the feeling that I get. But for me, it's like, am I adding some sort of value to someone's day where they're getting something out of my content? And it could be as little as like they laughed at it. That is a great, that's still adding value to someone's day and adds value. People have to say, always say like even B2B, it has to be the most, world-breaking idea or the coolest thing. No, some people just want a, a break in their day or a laugh or something that made them feel good. That's great content. Um, it doesn't have to always be something that's world-breaking or the most educational. It could be simple and add value to someone's day. So I like the end tale of it that adds value, that adds a lasting feeling. I think those two together make the perfect type of community type content. And the second thing I would add to that is when I think about posting, I always think, and you probably do the same thing like naturally because you have a community, but this is a group chat of my marketing friends. If I send a group chat to my marketing friends, are they going to like this content or are they not going to like this content? And that's how my measure is like, if I were, were not going to send it to a group chat of my marketing friends and they wouldn't like it, I'm not going to post that or I'm not going to share that type of content. So that's like my measure in my head. I, I always say, is this a good post for a group chat of my marketing besties that I am going to no. send to? So that's how I think about it a little bit. What are some tips and tricks or things you do? So you with your content is adding feeling but what are some ways you think people could start today to foster growth so like taking an account from zero to like a thousand what what are some like little tactical things that someone could do today to do that oh good question and i love this question because i maybe i spend too much time on linkedin but i often feel like wanting growth or talking about how to grow is almost slowly becoming a bit of a taboo around the conversation of vanity metrics and likes aren't leads and follower count doesn't matter. But growth is something I am so passionate about. So really, really excited, as you can tell, to have the opportunity to talk more about that today. So I use and I often teach and I talk about this in my content all the time, 
to the point where I should probably start posting about something else. I really love making social media simple. And there have been so many times in meetings with clients, big and small, where they physically wince at the word strategy or, oh, not strategy, or you see the look of dread on their face when, you know, we're going to have to build personas and dig into all of these big complex topics and words. But when it comes to my content strategy, I like to make it as simple as possible for both my clients and myself because there are a trillion other things to do. So I use and I teach something that honestly is is nothing new, nothing no one's taught before. I call it uh, my reach and nurture strategy. And I'm sure there are many other titles and names for it where I each week, each month, however long you plan your content schedule ahead of now, you ensure that you have a mix of reach content and a mix of nurture content. I think reach content is something that your team at the Marketing Millennials are great at. I always, I'm obsessed with the memes. I love the video content as well. And what I really love about that is one, I always feel so validated and seen and it's super funny, makes my day. But number two, in terms of growth, that type of content, the shareable content, whether it's a meme, a story, a trending piece, a quote, something that makes someone feel good and they want to share that with people, that is awesome for visibility. And ultimately, if you don't get in front of new people regularly, online, you're not going to grow. Because if new people don't know you exist, they can't follow you. (laughs) And that is the bottom line of it. So that reach content, the shareable content is the best. I find that really fun to get creative with as well. It's something that I love doing with my clients. And especially if they're a bit afraid of video content, it can be really fun to lean into, okay, well, what's shareable? What can just be a bit of fun to try that someone would send to their friend? Or as you said, put in their big marketing group chat and share with their own community. So a mixture of reach content, the content that is going to land you on the timelines of not just new people, but the right people. I'm building a community of marketers, freelancers, and entrepreneurs. So I don't necessarily want to create content that is going to be shared in Cambridge University's scientific department or whoever it might be that's just really unrealistically apart or not a part of your community. What can I share that's gonna get me in front of the most people and the right people? That's your reach content. We wanna get out there, we want people to see us. But then step two of that is making sure that we also have a healthy balance of nurture content. So when people land on your profile, maybe your really awesome meme has popped up on their LinkedIn feed and think, I would like more of this or your headline intrigues them and they're curious or they see the comments and it's something they want to get involved with, whatever it might be. They click on your profile, call it, their header looks jazzy, I love the pink, I love the emojis of scrolling down. But what is the content that's going to get them to stay? As you said, what is the content aside from the entertainment or shareable piece that is going to give them something that is going to make them 
stay. So it might be your educational content, if that is a part of your business. It might be where you talk and demonstrate your products. It might be where you use UGC to demonstrate what you do, talk about your services, share your story, whatever those pieces of content might be. It's all well and good creating content doing paid ads, whatever it might be, that gets you in front of the most of the right people. But unless they have something to stick and chew on, you know, we're, we're in the restaurant now, we want some yummy food. Unless we're giving them that yummy food, they ultimately have no reason to stay. So for me, that's been a strategy that I have used from the very beginning, um, actually without even knowing when I first started. Um, it's now a strategy that, again, simplified hugely there, um, but a strategy that I work with with my clients too. We want to get out there. We want new people to see us. But also when they click on our page, our profile, our TikTok, our newsletter, whatever, wherever it might be, I want them to stay. I want them to see the value. I want them to look at it and think, okay, cool, I want more. And this, that's fun. And I want this too. So in essence, reach and nurture, get out there and then make sure that whatever is on your profile, not just your profile information, your bio, but also your content is nurturing. It makes people want to stay. It's something that they want more of. It's clearly displayed who you are, what you do, how you do it, who you do it for. I wrote a post on this recently on Instagram compared it to opening a restaurant. <laughs> so, you know, making the outside look good, that's step one. Having someone handing out flyers to get people in, that's step two. But then when they get inside, you know, are the seats ready? Is the menu sorted? Are we all... Are we all good? Is the food yummy? So get them in and make them stay. Reach and nurture is what I call it in, in my teaching. But yeah, kind of as simple as that for me. I, I love that you simplify it. I, I say the same exact thing, but in a different way. I say you need attention to get intention. And this is where people think like likes and followers are a taboo, but you need attention and more and more people to see your content and be top of mind as much as you can to finally get people to build trust and trust to be able to like want to join your newsletter, want to think that you do valuable things. So, but you need to keep growing that pot. And the way to also think about it, especially now in social media, I think we have more and more pressure that each post is a first time someone new is seeing your post. So you have to go more and more all out in every single post you do because it is the first impression to a lot of different people and people forget that. They think it's only the community that's seeing it, but especially on social, it's a lot of new people that are are seeing your posts. So there's more and more pressure these days with all these channels to be great every single time on social media and great meaning you're adding value to someone's day, not being perfect. What I mean by that. What is a marketing hill you would die on? I think one marketing hill that I would die on. I don't know if this is a popular opinion or an unpopular opinion. So maybe there are people on the hill with me. Maybe I'm up here alone. But I, again, I spend a lot of time 
too much time on LinkedIn. I I have a very love-hate relationship with, <laughs> with LinkedIn. I think a lot of people do. I attribute LinkedIn to a lot of PLM and my business's success. I, I truly believe that it has changed the course of my career forever. And I think if you can leverage it well and you can embrace the cringe and push push it aside <laughs> and start posting, it can be awesome. But something I see often over there, and I know it's from quite a popular marketing slash advertising book, is this thought of stealing like an artist. Now, I cannot tell you where that quote has come from. I've only seen it on LinkedIn and I know it's from a book. I do not know which book. And for me, throughout everything I've done with PLM, and maybe this is just me and my journey, but I have often found that over-consuming or looking left and right to what other people have done, the times I've done that the most have been the most hindrance to my growth. For example, across, it was July and August, so just gone now actually, I was having a really hard time figuring out what to post on my socials, not just for my personal brand posting as myself, but for the many business channels that I run for myself, for my business as well. And um, what I had found was in that time, I had been consuming so much from others. Also, well, their post got X likes on LinkedIn. How can I do that too? Cool. No more emojis, no more long posts. I need to do this now. Or amazing, this has done really well on TikTok or in Reels. How can I recreate that in my own way? Or X, Y, Z, whatever that kind of stumbling thought might be. And whilst keeping up with what works on each platform, as we know, is super important, I often find that this thought of stealing like an artist or looking elsewhere to other creators and brands on socials too frequently, it can be useful sometimes, but too frequently can be a barrier to you being you, doing you, and potentially leaning into what makes you great especially for those building a personal brand, you you are literally what makes you, you. You are that USP. And I find, yeah, over-consuming is death to great content. So stealing like an artist isn't for me. I very much limit the time I spend consuming on my timelines now too. External inspiration sources, amazing. Go back to your research, use your prior content, talk to your community and audience, find insights where you can. But I don't love the advice of looking to other creators or brands to inspire you. So if anything, I would not (laughs) steal like an artist. So The marketing hill that I will die on is that looking to others for inspiration is often more of a hindrance than a help in my experience and story anyway. I love that. That is a good hill to die on. Um, And the the book is Steal Like an Artist. So you got, it's funny that it is called Steal Like an Artist, but the way I think about it is in the beginning, it's good to look who's around and say, okay, these people are doing great on the platform. How can I reverse engineer what they're doing and make it my own? I think the best way to steal like an artist for marketers is 
steal from other industries or what other people are doing outside your realm? Because if you're stealing from people who are doing what you're doing, you're just basically rinse and repeating the same playbook as everybody else is doing. I think like what you're saying about rare beauty, you said at the beginning and shout out to Katie, who's going to talk at marketing land. I know that was a little plug, but she's speaking in marketing land next month, the CMO of rare beauty. But the way you said like rare beauty community, that's a way to steal like an artist where you're taking inspiration from a beauty brand and it may, it has nothing to do with a marketing community but you're saying, oh, look, this is what they're doing. Great. I'm going to take some of the things, some of the things that's working for them and apply it to how I can do it better for myself, not necessarily copy them, but see what they're doing. I think inspiration comes from more than just your peers. And I think that's a big mistake people make is they steal from peers instead of stealing from so many different resources around there that they can take yeah. and learn from. So I think that I just added to what I think I, my belief in it, but I think I like your, your stance on that. Where could people follow pretty little marketers? Where could people follow you? I give you a couple minutes to plug yourself basically. Oh, awesome. I am awful <laughs> at plugging myself. I worked with a business coach early this year, actually to get better it's selling, which when you're an entrepreneur feels very backwards. But if you would like to learn more about how to make social media simple, that is my biggest passion. That's what I, I aim to do. I want to bring together people in marketing, freelancers, entrepreneurs, marketers, social media managers. And my goal is to create a safe space, a happy space that has a lasting feeling that is a good one and help people take control of their social media simply and confidently. I do that on Instagram at Pretty Little Marketer. I'm also on TikTok, but I'm really bad at posting. It is my October goal. It was my September goal. It was my August goal, but it's my October goal to get back on TikTok. So also at Pretty Little Marketer and my biggest home where you can find me and the business PLM is on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm just Sophie Miller on LinkedIn. I'm the person with the picture with pink balloons and on LinkedIn PLM. Again, it's just pretty little marketer so nice and easy managed to back the same handle everywhere which is very lucky so at pretty little markets are basically yeah i'm everywhere yes for everybody listening go check out our content it's fire especially if you're trying to learn social media growth social media tips how to grow a community it's a cool community that i've been seeing for since she she started in 2020 and it's cool to see how Pretty Little Marketer has scaled from what it was to now 350k plus people following this account on all different platforms. It's cool to see your growth. And thank you so much for joining. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.